0: Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast, I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, after a period playing catch-up, dividend-paying stocks returned to their trusted role of protecting investors' returns last year. What are the prospects for dividends now? Where can you find them and what does the future hold? Our guest, Ian Mortimer from the Guinness Global Equity Income Fund, is here this week to answer those questions. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. 2022 was a year in which investors were reminded of the reassuring role that dividends can play in a portfolio. After a period in which the best returns came from companies boasting simply the fastest rising earnings, the volatility of last year highlighted that well-supported dividends can be the backbone of your returns in difficult markets. No one knows that more than Ian Mortimer, manager of the Guinness Global Equity Income Fund, because it's his job to find those dividends wherever they may be. And I'm pleased to say that Ian joins us on the podcast this week to talk about it. in welcome along. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to look today, in at the case for dividend investing in general, um, and the case for looking globally for those dividends. But I wanted to start with recent history. How would you characterize the last year or so in terms of dividend investing?
1: Yeah, I think as you mentioned um, at the start, it's definitely been something that's come more to the fore in terms of investors' interest, certainly. Um, and I think that's not unsurprising considering the types of markets we've seen and the, the quite significant changes we've seen in markets as well, particularly yeah. in terms of market leadership. Um, and I think the sort of very high level, um, you know, what was it that sort of um, got investors interested in dividend paying companies once more last year, was really if you you know, if you look at dividend history, um, they tend to do best. Um, in terms of when the total return overall is much lower. So if in very simple terms, if you broke down your total return into the three parts of earnings growth, multiple expansion and then shareholder returns Mm. in the form of the dividend, um, clearly if the overall total return is lower, then actually that dividend part becomes much more prominent. Um, And I think um, when we looked at what was happening in markets last year in terms of inflation the interest rate changes. I think you know, big picture people are looking at a period that could have been, or may still be, a lower growth environment, um, and therefore those types of um, you know, capital returns, from the, uh, in terms of the share returns in the form of dividends, much much more important. Um, if you look back over um, different decades, so just looking at the S and P five hundred, um, you know, dividends overall make up a pretty significant part of your total return. They do. But in high growth decades, they count for about 25% of your overall total return. So things like, you know, the 90s and the 2000s. If you then look to things like the 1940s or the 70s, they count for more like 75% of your overall total return. And I think, you know, that's very much, I think, what people were looking at last year. Um, And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why um, dividends
0: as a factor, if you like, perform quite strongly. And there were, of course, specific events going on last year and that had particular effects on particular sectors. Um, and perhaps one of the reasons why dividend investing performed quite as well as it did was, was energy and the company energy company profits that were coming through following the invasion of Ukraine. Um, does that mean that investing for dividends now or the or the you know their trajectory from here? is going to be harder to achieve than it necessarily was last year because of those particular circumstances
1: Potentially I think yeah it's, it's quite helpful to you know take a step back slightly and, and obviously think that you know, there are lots of different types of dividend paying company. It's not one sort of, uh, you know, amalgus group, if you like. There's sort of high dividend yield paying companies in some of those areas, such as energy commodities. Um, there's other areas where maybe, you know, the dividend yield is lower, but the dividend growth is much faster. You should sure. find them in places like information technology, for example. I think you're right, though, in terms of last year. Clearly, energy was the standout sector. Um, you know, very significant positive total return against a backdrop of you know really quite negative um, price returns across the broader market. Um, and as you highlight, why did that happen? Clearly, this is um, you know the oil price rising. Um, these companies had cut back significantly on you know, capex and you know growth investments, and therefore you generate this sort of significant cash flows, which they have been giving back to shareholders in the form of dividends. Um, I think if you then sort of put that forward, you, you, I think you could make the case if you're looking at index yields that the um, proportion that of dollar amount, if you like, that came from the energy sector was quite significant. Mm. So therefore if that Um, mean reverted, if you like, Um, those cash flows weren't quite as big. We've already seen, you know, uh, in the mining side, for example, some companies reducing their dividend payments. Then, yeah, that that should have a, a, you know, should be a headwind more broadly. Um, However, what I would say against that, though, is if we sort of move away from energy, um, we, generally speaking, particularly in terms of our funds, saw dividend surprise to the upside last year. Mm. So we're actually seeing quite strong dividend growth coming through. Some of that maybe um, in some areas was from the significant cuts that were seen in the pandemic coming back. Um, but actually in our case, you know, we, we only had one company reduce their dividend um, through the pandemic period. Um, we generally saw, um, as I say, uh, many cases, companies able to pass on that inflation inflationary pressure, if you like, and then grow uh, earnings, which therefore they could then pay back as higher dividends. Um, And so I think although energy was the anomaly, um, I don't think and it could be a headwind if it reversed. The broader picture, I think, has actually been, again, quite positive from a dividend perspective in terms of of companies outside of energy increasing their dividends
0: more broadly. Okay, well, energy was under the spotlight last year, a sector under the spotlight this year certainly has been the banks um, for various reasons. Um, You've got this backdrop of uh, very high interest rates, but obviously ructions just recently in the banking sector. There there are some attractive looking yields on banks, Uh, investors will be taking note of that, but it is an industry under pressure as well. So what's your view of that sector?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say in the Guinness Global X Income Fund, we've never actually owned a bank. Uh Um, So that's number one, if you like. Uh, And So therefore, during the most recent uh, turmoil in that sort of industry, we avoided it having not owning any of the sort of um, any banks whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do we do that? So Slightly if you take a step back is what we're really looking for is dividend growth. We think that is the part of the sort of the dividend paying group of companies that drives the overall outperformance of that factor. Um, We find the best way to identify companies that are most likely to grow their dividend in the future uh, is return on capital, it's balance sheet strength and then it's the size of the starting dividend yield. it's not things like payout ratios or the number of years you've paid a dividend. They can be helpful guides, but they don't correlate that highly with future dividend growth. So if you take that and you then you look at the, um, the banking sector, they don't really pass what we're looking for. Right. So in terms of the consistent high return on capital, in terms of the balance sheet, clearly... Uh, you know, bank's business model is very, very different. You know, An, an investment in a bank, to some extent, is an investment sort of in the balance sheet, if you like, rather than the income statement. The, sort of the opacity okay. of it is quite difficult. Um, and so that's why we generally avoid that part of the financial sector. I'd also note as well, in terms of the banking sector, um, it may be an area where you can find high dividend yields, but actually the dividends are often quite volatile. Um, and that's often the case in some of those classically high dividend yielding um, sectors, mm. um, the banking um, sector specifically, uh, is very much affected by regulation. So regulatory pressure, we saw that through, you know, the pandemic period. We saw that uh, in the European crisis back in 2011, uh, and so therefore, to some extent, those sort of dividend payments are not necessarily in their control. Number one, um, which therefore makes the sort of the continuation and the growth of those dividends, um, you know, changeable over time. Uh, And then second, you know, we often see these types of things in that sector. You know, that is sort of part and parcel of what they're doing. They are sort of the final sort of economic backstop, if you like. That is their role. Um, And if things get difficult, then, you know, sort of um, maintaining, you know, cash balances and protection is important. Um, And so that's sort of, again, sort of big picture why we wouldn't invest in a bank, generally speaking. Um, And more specifically, just from a sort of dividend perspective, Um, I think that's an
0: area that you want to be a bit concerned about. Okay. Well, well, both energy and banks, actually, are sectors that will feature prominently in uh, the UK market, of course. Um, they make up a big part of the index here. Uh, UK investors are used to their home market paying a, hel- a healthy headline level of dividend income. Um, why should they, as the manager of a global fund, why should people look a bit further afield for income?
1: Yeah, I think um, the first thing is, you know, diversification, clearly, is a benefit. You know, I think that's sort of well established. Um, And therefore, giving you a wider opportunity set to find dividend-paying companies, Mm -hmm. I think, is important. Um, I think the second argument is very much um, to the points we've been making throughout this uh, conversation, is that those areas that pay those high dividend yields um, are often some of the areas that suffer most in terms of that sort of dividend cuts. Um, and that's what we've seen, you know, again, just recently. Um, you know, it was incredibly prominent through the financial crisis. You know, I think that was the, the starting gun, if you like, for um, the growth in interest in global equity income funds. I mean, they were, you know, Pre the sort of financial crisis, I mean, there really wasn't very many available to to UK investors. Yeah. There wasn't an IA global equity income sector, for example, um, that only came around 2012. Um, so I think you know, moving away from um, those high yield sectors, having the opportunity to buy sort of faster dividend growth, particularly in say the US market, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily have a high dividend yield um, because of the, some of the you know tax. Benefits, if you like, of doing buybacks. But um, the dividend growth opportunity is pretty strong. Um, And the dividend safety, because of those buybacks, can often increase. Companies aren't necessarily punished if they reduce their buyback, um, which can often act as a bit of a buffer. Um, Clearly, over the last decade, um, being able to uh, find opportunities within, for example, the information technology sector has been hugely important in terms of where your sort of overall total return has come from uh, and clearly you know being focused purely on the UK market um, it means you're missing out on a lot there.
0: Well I wanted to ask actually particularly about tech because um, you know over the last 10 years or so so much of growth in global markets has come from from uh, the largest tech companies um, not generally dividend payers they do pay so I guess some of them will pay some sort of income um, What's the culture of dividend paying or not in those companies, in those biggest companies? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, a good example would be,
1: uh, you know, Microsoft, for example. Um, So when we launched our fund at the end of 2010, that was one of in our sort of first portfolio, if you like. Mm. We still own it. It's been obviously a great position for us. Um, But sort of 12 years ago, it was really very much considered a cash cow. Yeah. Um, You know, and it had been sort of paying dividends and the yield on offer was quite attractive. I think that remains so in the sense of, um, you know, the company is still focused on paying that dividend, Um, but obviously the yield on offer is much lower because the share price performance has been so great. Um, But the point I was sort of trying to sort of make, I suppose, is that when you're thinking about dividend investing, it is important to consider the company itself growing as well because that is sort of what really drives the overall, um, you know, more positive performance. If you can find a company that is, um, you know, reinvesting in itself, growing its asset base, it will then increase its earnings and therefore cash flows, which then allow it to pay that hmm. larger and growing dividend. Um, and that is the sort of what you're looking for—is that kind of compounding effect. Um, and clearly, if you think about, you know, the Fang-type stocks, um, maybe that's not quite the best example, but the sort of higher-growth companies—it's yeah. all about, you know, quality growth, compounding, high. Earnings growth will drive your share price return. Um, And I think what we would argue is if you look for these kind of quality dividend payers, you might not get such high earnings growth. They tend to be a bit more mature. Um, But actually, you can get some earnings growth alongside your dividend payment. And that dividend payment is more likely to be maintained and grow itself. Um, And that is what gives you the overall um, sort of better total return because then you do have the earnings growth and you have the potential depending on what valuation you're paying for multiple expansion and you get your shareholder return with the kicker that that shareholder return form of the dividend is growing. If you get all those three parts right um, we believe uh, and we've definitely found within the portfolio that tends to give you, allow you to keep up when markets are rising to some extent but you wouldn't capture all of the upside whilst also getting the main benefit I think of dividend investing which is the protecting in difficult markets as you, yeah. as you alluded to. Um, But it might also help to maybe lower sort of the volatility of your return profile because you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's not all in earnings growth or all in deep value or all in high yield. It's that sort of combination uh, of the three ideally if you can get. And that's where things like, you know, we said at the beginning the kind of IT companies, you might have to, you know, you may get a higher, a lower dividend yield but you might get slightly higher earnings growth alongside. Equally, if you could find a company maybe in a more industrial set, setting, for example, you might get a slightly higher uh, dividend, uh, maybe slightly lower earnings. But what you're really looking for is that the company itself is growing to some extent. And and that's the big driver of the sort of sustainability of these dividend returns.
0: And you mentioned word the maturity around, around companies and reaching a level of maturity where they are rewarding shareholders with with dividends. Do you you sort of see companies as having that a a sort of life cycle in that way, of of hitting a a level of maturity where perhaps their growth in terms of their investment in themselves isn't necessarily going to be as high, but they are just going to start rewarding shareholders consistently?
1: uh, Yeah, and I think um, absolutely. And I think it's sort of, um, you know, it's interesting that I think um, in some cases... Um, sort of market participants may see the initiation of a dividend as sort of of throwing in the towel for growth. Mm -hmm. And that definitely, that's sort of historically what it used to look like, you know, it was sort of, oh, you're paying a dividend now, ho-hum, you know, you're an ex-growth company, you've got, you know, nothing left to invest in, and that's, you know, not very sensible. Whereas actually, I think it's a very sensible thing to do. Because what it's really telling you is the management team is recognising that, they no longer have high return on capital projects, to re- as many as they used to. And it is far better for a company to reduce the investments they're making uh, to just focus on those that will continue to have that high return on capital rather than sort of being profligate, if you like, or growth for growth's sake. Um, and so I think, you know, particularly some of those tech companies, Cisco, for example, in 2012, I think initiated their dividend, started at quite a low level. But the dividend growth on offer was really high. It was sort of, you know, twenty, twenty-five percent per year for a while, and that's really, you know, that's really attractive. I think, mm. um, and so I think I'd take the opposite view. I mean, I would, wouldn't I, as a sort of <laughs> global income manager? But actually, I think um, in some cases that can just tell you the management team is, you know, having a sensible and pragmatic and probably better approach to their capital allocation, yeah. which is really what you want them to do.
0: Yeah, well, actually, I mean, that preempts my uh, my next, in fact, my final question, Ian, which was around the general case for dividend investing, and we've covered a lot of it already. But what does a healthy dividend say about a company? What does it make sense for investors to prioritize that type of company?
1: Yeah, I think um, the first thing I'd say is obviously, you know, some of the, clearly a lot of the points we've already made in terms of, you know, we see there's strong evidence that, you know, the, the dividend factor, if you like, can outperform over the longer term, much like value or growth might. So, I think yeah. that's that's important to recognize. Um, I think the, you know, the return profile that's on offer can be very attractive. So that sort of downside protection, um, also that income you receive is um, a lot less volatile than earnings, for example. So if earnings, you know, collapse yeah. and are very cyclical, that income you're receiving is slightly sort of dampening that down somewhat. So I think that's really important. Um, and I think from a management perspective, I think it is really that that idea that they are disciplined ultimately. Um, you know, and in many cases, we see a lot of companies where, you know, the paying the dividend is right at the top of the agenda. You know, what are we going to do with our money? Well, first of all, we've got to do that. Right, and what should we do next, you know, rather than, um, sort of empire building or mm-hmm. big M&A etc that, that tends to not really be that value accretive um, and, and the trick really is to um, you know identify those companies where you know if they are still offering you know reasonable value alongside that um, then actually those things really add up to you know a, a really attractive return profile um, over the longer term and there will be periods where, you know, as we've seen, you know, 15, 16, whatever it might be, you know, where everyone gets very excited about growth or their sort of story stocks, if yeah. you like, and you may feel like you're lagging behind. But I think it's um, like most investing, but I think particularly so from a dividend perspective, it's really when you see that over very long investment horizons where it, you, it then becomes, um, you know, you, you see how important that, that is and actually how attractive that is on a sort of risk return profile as well, because you may actually have a lower volatility. And if you can sort of, you know, provide that decent return profile over a long time, then actually, you know, your risk adjusted returns look really attractive. Uh, and I think that sort of for your um, you know
0: typical investor is something that I think they think is very important. Well, that seems like a, a good place to end it, Ian. Uh, we have covered absolutely loads there. So thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. Uh, that's it for now. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks very much.